Anyway, I thought I'd start tonight with a question. How many of you in the past month have been to a fast food restaurant? Can you raise your hands? I hate to say it, but we're probably there a little bit too often, and it's because our lives are so crazy busy that most of the time we're never home, even at night. We work all day to family business, and then at night usually there's church meetings, youth group, financial piece that I'm teaching, and it's just one thing after another. So a lot of times, you know, you go home at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, you're like, do I want to cook a meal? No. Do I want to do dishes? No. Not going to do it. So um, a lot of times we go to the fast food things, and some of us don't really like to admit that we go to those places, especially McDonald's. McDonald's has gotten a really bad rap. People are always like, I don't go to McDonald's. Well, somebody's going to these places because I can tell you that the um, revenue that they bring is ridiculous. Um, The eight most successful fast food chains in America from the lowest annual revenue to the highest are eight, number eight, Chick-fil-A, number seven, Dunkin' Donuts, number six, Taco Bell, number five, Wendy's, number four, Burger King, number three, Subway, and number two, Starbucks, and of course, number one is McDonald's, Mickey D's, which doubles and sometimes triples their closest competitor, Starbucks, making about $35 billion a year. That's $75.18 million of revenue a day, a day. We're happy when we can bring in about 500. <laughs> We're excited. We're like, yeah. Excited. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people go to those places. Obviously, there's a lot of reasons, like price. For us, it is convenience. Um, A lot of people, addictions, right? Starbucks, they go and get their coffee addictions. But, you know, it'd be kind of like an interesting thing if you go to McDonald's, and if it wasn't always the same, it'd be like if there's this crapshoot that you never knew what you were going to get. We wouldn't go there as often. We wouldn't go because consistency is actually the key to the reason why we keep going to those places over and over again. Well, the definition of consistency is the achievement of a level of performance that does not vary greatly in quality over time. So it's not necessarily that that burger is going to be absolutely delicious, but it's going to taste the same. Maybe mediocre, but it's going to taste the same. So the great life coach Tony Robbins says it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we actually do consistently. And if you think about it, that's totally true. Because if you think about the reason why you keep going back to certain businesses, the reason why you go back is because of a consistent product that they're putting out, consistent service that they're showing you or giving you. You know, it's those consistent players. I'm having a hard time saying consistent. Consistent tonight for some reason. Um, it's the consistent players in sports that get those great contracts. You know, it's not the one that actually, like, hits home runs and grand slams and then the next, like, two months strikes out every time. It's those ones that are consistently doing things that actually get the contracts. It's the consistent parents that raise the healthiest children. You know, it's the the parents that are consistent in their punishment. They're going to actually say, this is not allowable, and then they don't allow it. You know, not where one time they let them do it and the next time... They can't do it. And then the next time, you know, you go ahead because they're tired and they don't want to deal with it. So it's consistent parenting parenting that's actually going to make the healthiest children. It's a consistent spouse that actually has the most loving marriages. You know, if you don't trust your spouse when they come in, one time being happy, next time sad, next time in anger, um, it's hard to have a really great marriage. 
You know, I, I, I'm super blessed because I have a husband that honestly is the most consistent person ever. Um, he is like the kindest person. He really is. <laughs> I'm not saying, anybody that knows John knows, John is just an all-around nice guy. And he's that nice. He really is that nice. He's that nice to me. I actually had a conversation with my friend on Friday night. I said, you know, John is just so nice to me. He's always so, he's so good. I said, there's times where I'm like, how do you put up with me? Because, like, you're so nice. But, you know, it's those consistent people that have healthy marriages. It's the consistent followers of Jesus who actually reap the rewards of a life well spent and who actually bring others into the kingdom of heaven with them. So people like to know what they're going to get. They like to know what they're going to expect. You know, they, they, they don't want to be, you know, always surprised by stuff. And I think the reason why they do that is because human beings are made in the image of God. And, they, and God is so consistent. If you read God's word, you realize that he's always consistent. You know, if, you, if you're not reading, you're, you're missing it. Because I will tell you, like, the Old Testament is awesome. And it always reveals how Jesus is going to be our Savior. And then you read the New Testament, you realize that it's, it's all exactly what God was doing in the Old Testament. And it all makes sense. And he's so consistent. Well, James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Isn't it awesome that when we get up in the morning, we can look out and see the sun, and we know it's going to be there? It's just going to be there. It's awesome when we look up in the sky, and we can see the moon, and we can see the stars, and we can count that they're going to be there that God created them, and they're there for us to enjoy. And we can count on the fact that he's a consistent God. What he created at the beginning is here for us to enjoy now. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Jesus didn't just come as a little baby. He existed way before the earth began when water is separated from land and sky was formed. He was there. That's the beginning of John. He says he was there from the very beginning. He was the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can always count on the Jesus that saved our soul to be there for us. So we follow this God that never changes. And his promises are always yes and amen. Like I said, which means that we can count on him. We're going through tough times. We're going through a struggle. And he says, I'll be there with you. You don't walk alone. We can count on the fact that he's right there beside us. We don't have to doubt that at all. When he tells us that he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us, when he says he's going to come back for us, when the world goes crazy and all goes nutty, we don't have to worry because he says he's going to take us with him, that we can count on that, that we can trust that he's going to be there for us. We can believe him. The problem lies in one thing, though, the rub. The rub is, in any relationship, there's two sides, right? Always two sides. And that's where the problem lies because God can't always trust and count on us. You know, I think sometimes that we would have to say, if we were, if we were honest, if we were honest, we would say that the only time that we're consistent is when we're inconsistent. And that's it. That's the only time that we really can say that we're consistent. I'm consistently inconsistent. I usually don't follow the same path. I usually go all over this different directions. I don't follow the same thing for very long. And I think that's sad because I think God doesn't really know what he's going to get with us. You know, where we can count on him, 
We can look at him and we can trust him, but he looks at us and says, hmm, you don't do the same thing for me. And you can sit there and think, well, what does God need from me? Well, he needs us to be his hands and feet. He needs us to be the ones that goes and shares the message of of God, the good news, the gospel, that we're actually taking it to others, that we're actually telling people about the good things that Christ offers us. And a lot of times, he can't count on us. God never knows what he's going to get when he watches us. You know, I think I've seen, and I've, I've done it myself, one day we run hot, the next day we run cold. I think one day we come close to God, and we're like, oh, I can't wait. I, I want to be so close to you, God. And then the very next day, if not the very same day, we forget the promises that we made, and we're nowhere in sight. A lot of times we tell them we're going to be faithful, especially sometimes when we're in that you know, dark time of our life. You know, when things are rough, it's like, I'm going to follow you, God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to just do everything if you just help me out of this bind. I'm going to follow you anywhere you ask. And then before long, you stall out or you get mesmerized by the nice, shiny object that comes into your sight. You know, you're like, whoa, and you're off and running again. A lot of times we're just not there for God. And I get it because I've been there too. It doesn't matter how long you follow after God. We can all have times where we're super, super passionate about God and other times where we kind of just get lost in our life and just kind of miss it and not where we need to be. And I think a lot of us never intended it to be that way, that we would ever fall back or that we would ever fall away from God. But I think sometimes it's because we really just didn't understand what it was going to take. We didn't understand how hard it was going to be. And I think what we thought a lot of times is we thought that God maybe was going to do all the heavy lifting, that he was going to be the one that was going to help us. You know, somehow he's going to zap us into these amazing followers of God. And I can tell you it doesn't happen. I can tell you I was going to church when I was saved uh, February 28th, 1993. I started following after God. And before long, you know, the enemy has a way of kind of like doing some things to get you off track. You know, and I started thinking, you know, I can just do this and do that, and I can still work all this faith in too, you know, it'll, it'll be all right. And I remember I had this experience where my pastor actually said to me, you know, Deb, it'd be really good if you started going to Sunday school. Now, we don't have Sunday school here. We have groups, you know, we have um, things where we get together and we do alpha and all those things that are really important, um, serving, doing those things together. But at the time, there was Sunday school, and he said, you know, I think it'd be really good for you to go to Sunday school. And I had that little pushback. I'm like, I don't know if I want to give that much more time. But I can tell you, coming closer to God changed everything for me. That's when it did change. And I can give him credit for that, that he actually told me to go and do those things, and that's what changed me and, and helped me to grow in my faith and challenged me to do more for God. But I think sometimes we think that God's going to do these great things for us on his own. He's going to zap us. We're going to change. Our hearts are going to change. We're going to just fall passionately in love with him, and we're just going to give everything up. And I think if we read the Bible, we can see that that's not how it works in people's lives. We can see that a lot of times it's so easily to get off the path and get distracted. We live this here and there, back and forth, run ahead, come to a screeching halt existence in our faith. You know, I think human beings are really interesting because we're always looking for a quicker fix. We're always looking for something that's going to be quick. Let's get this done. 
You know, we don't want to put in the hard work. We just want to have things happen for us. You know, losing weight, you know, takes us a long time to get to a certain weight. But boy, we, could, we diet one day and we're like, what, not down 20 pounds yet? What the heck? I should be down 20 pounds. You know, it's like we expect great things to happen so fast. We look for these DVDs, these programs, these quick fix things, you know, and we think it's going to change us. And I think a lot of people thought and think that it's going to be that way following Jesus too. That, you know, you're going to come in, you're going to hear a couple scripture references, you're going to be like, yeah, that, wow, I'm totally different. And then you walk back out in the world and you're like, whoa, maybe not so much. Not so much different yet. So I think that God just wants us to understand that what's expected of us is a consistent faith. Consistent. Just the idea that we are going to be consistent in doing the things that we said that we would do for him. You know, I think that a lot of us think that we can fast track it and we don't think it through. I don't think we realize sometimes that this is a lifetime commitment. This isn't something you do today and it's just going to last forever. It's an everyday thing. It's a lifetime commitment to decide that you're going to follow after God. And it, the one thing that the Bible likens, Bible likens it to is that it's a marathon. It's actually a race that we're running. It's the idea that it's a marathon and not a sprint. It's not something you're going to do fast and you're going to get over and you're going to be like, wow, made it. It's going to be this marathon that's long-lasting to the day you die. And that's what's really scary because you're like, whoa, seriously? I have to do this to the day I die? Yes. To the day you die, that's how you follow after God. It's actually slow and steady that wins the race. It's a daily thing, not a once-in-a-while thing. You know, you're not going to make it at all if you're a CEO Christian. And that means if you're a Christmas, Easter, or an occasional Christian. But if you're an actual Christian that actually prioritizes your faith, that actually seeks God on a daily basis, that actually spends those moments thinking about your faith and, and growing your faith and challenging you and yourself in your faith and, you know, asking God for help. You know, I think a lot of us just get desperate. We don't really ask God for help in the day, just the regular day. We wait till something, you know, catastrophic happens. And we're like, please, God, help me. You know, when he says, I'm here to help you every day. Every day. You know, you can just get up and say, God, please direct my steps. Help me. You know, be with me today as I go about my, my life. And help me. Help me to follow after you. Help me not to lose hope. Help me not to lose sight of reaching other people for your kingdom. Well, God makes it pretty clear to us in Luke 9, 23, in the NIV uh, version. He says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So that's where I think a lot of us fail. We forget the daily, the daily part of it. It's a daily thing. You know, if you can honestly say that you've not grown, you're only responsible for yourself. You know whether or not you put in the work or not. And it's like anybody trying to, like, you know, build muscle. You're going to have to do it on a daily basis. You're going to have to be working at it. You're going to have to, like, diet. You're going to have to do those things. The problem is we don't do our faith in a consistent way. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche wrote, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience, same direction. Totally what we not, do not do. Most of us aren't obedient, And a lot of us are constantly heading off in different directions. We're all over the place. One day we we are, we're so passionate, and the next day we're like, well, you know, I got things to do. I ain't got time for this, you know? And I kind of said, I liken this to God having Jesus up on his right, sitting there beside him, and 
saying, man, these people are like cats trying to herd them because they're all over the place. I can't keep track of them. Well, lack of consistency is one of the biggest reasons why people fall away from their faith. And I think some of the people really started out in this real-life, emotional, really truthful grand beginning. But because of their lack of consistency over time, they just fall away. Emotion. We all have it. If you really, truly have come to, to Christ or you had an experience, there's some emotions that take place where you really feel something. But emotion only gets us so far. It's the motion that you put in, the time, the energy, the walking, the slow and steady that you're going to do that's actually going to make the difference in finishing your faith. I remember that emotion. When we went to church, it wasn't one of those things where you just raise your hand. It was a come forward, you know, the church I went to. I'm talking, I'm a person that never went to church. I mean, I went to church when I was really young. My mom died at seven. After that, my family kind of scattered. I was raised by pretty much teenagers. I didn't have anybody really in my life. Um, I'm always amazed because I'm like statistically like, I'm the unicorn. I should never be here. (laughs) Never, never be here. But God is good. But you know, I never really followed God. But when I had that experience, when I came to Christ, it was on that night. And I remember them, you know, the pastor asking, does anybody want Jesus as their Savior? Does anybody want to accept him? Does anybody need forgiveness? And I remember it was like this feeling of like, yes, this is the first time ever in my life that I realized that this is what I need, without a doubt. And that emotion came over me, and I was very, very emotional and, you know, accepted Jesus as my Savior and went home, and nobody in my family cared. (laughs) And I'll tell you, I had to fight through that because I really believed there was something that happened. But, you know, the enemy has a good way of telling you that was just emotion. It wasn't real. There wasn't something that happened, you know. But we can tell whether or not it was real if we continue in our faith. You know, if we continue to grow, if we continue to challenge ourselves. That emotion was real in my case. Does it, is it always there? No. And I think that we have to understand that. We're going to have days we're going to come in here and everything that we sing is going to touch our hearts and we're going to be like, wow, that was amazing. There's going to be times you're going to come in and it's going to be like, like you put in time. But that's okay. You're consistent. There might be a little nugget of something that you needed to hear at that moment that God had specifically for you to hear. So emotion can only get you so far. It's the motion, the consistent movement that's actually going to be needed to win the race. I think following Jesus can be summed up in the fable of the tortoise and the hare. And I'm going to read it to you. Okay? A hare was making fun of the tortoise one day for being so slow. Do you ever get anywhere, he asked with a mocking laugh. Yes, replied the tortoise, and I get there sooner than you think. I'll run you a race and I'll prove it. The hare was much amused at the idea of running a race with the tortoise, but for the fun of the thing, he agreed. So the fox, who had consented to act as a judge, marked the distance and started the runners off. The hare was soon far out of sight, and to make the tortoise feel very deeply how ridiculous it was for him to try to race with a hare, he laid down besides the course to take a nap until the tortoise could catch up. The tortoise, meanwhile, kept going slowly but steadily, and after a time, passed the place where the hare was sleeping. But the hare slept on very peacefully, and when at last he did wake up, the tortoise was near the goal. The hare now ran his swiftest, but he could not overtake the tortoise in time. It's slow and steady that wins the race. The, the hare, the rabbit, was totally faster than the tortoise. It makes sense, right? 
But the problem is he allowed all the distractions. The distractions that were there. He, he allowed his tiredness, he allowed his pride to get the best of him. So he laid down and just rested in the tortoise winds. Following Jesus is just like that. It's keeping your eyes on the prize, not losing out, not stopping, not getting so tired that you give up, not getting mesmerized by the next shiny thing that comes into your focus, but it's actually just putting in the work daily that makes the difference. My favorite scripture that I focus on is this one, Philippians 3, 12 through 14 in the message translation. It says, I'm not saying that I have this all together and that I have it made, but I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. The Bible tells us that this is what's going to make the difference in our faith. This is what's going to work. This idea that you keep your eye on the prize and you're continually inching forward, that you're not falling back, but you're going forward, might be slow, but it's steady. It's obediently following him. Not slowing down when we get discouraged because we're all going to get discouraged. We're all going to have days where we really just don't know if we can continue on. It's not napping when we're tired. It's not doing yard work when you know you should be at church. It's not doing those things when you know you should be following after God. It's not getting distracted by shiny things that always is offered up to us and vies for our attention. You have to understand, though, consistency doesn't just happen. It happens on purpose. And that's obviously our theme. This is one of the things that Cameron has really prayed about and really felt like this is one of the things that we are focusing on this year, the idea that our faith has to happen on purpose, that the things we do have to happen on purpose, that we're going to focus in, that we're not going to let things just happen, but things are going to happen on purpose. And consistency is one of those things. It has to happen on purpose. You have to prioritize your consistency. Grand starts are great, but they won't count for much at all. Someone who sprints when they start a marathon is soon overcome by other people, aren't they? You've seen those people that are are too maybe overweight or too old, and you're like, how are you passing me up? And it's because you started out too fast and you didn't pace yourself. It's like a light bulb that right before it goes out, it goes supernova. We've all seen that, haven't we? And so all of a sudden you have a light bulb and it's going good and all of a sudden it gets really bright and you're like, whoa, that light bulb is, that light bulb is really great. And you're like, poof, it's out. Same thing can happen in our faith. We can actually start out so fast but not really take into account that this is a marathon and we can go supernova and burn out. God is much more concerned with the direction of your life than he is in the perfection of your life. There's a lot of people that don't understand because they have these grand ideas. It's like, God, I'm going to go cross oceans. I'm going to go reach a thousand people. And he's just like, just cross the street. That's all I want you to do. Cross the street. Talk to your neighbor. Do you have a family member who needs to hear have some hope? That maybe we can offer some hope? You know, we can be those crazy Christians. But we need to be those crazy Christians sometimes, right? We need to step out. You know, a long time ago when we started the church, um, we were setting up at the Knights of Columbus, and 
I'm sure you guys have heard the stories before where we actually were in, you know, the, the building. We would have to go on a Sunday morning, and it was quite crazy because we would have these trailers that would pull up, and we'd have to unload everything, and we'd have to set up. It wasn't like here, like pipe and drape, which we still have to set up. But we set up kids' areas and, and all that. And the kids' areas, we would have to literally move kegs of beer. And we would actually have to move drunks from time to time. We would actually have to say, could you get up? Because we're going to set up our kids' church now. And there was times they didn't move. They literally slept there while we had service. One time, it was really interesting. We actually got there to set up. It was really early in the morning. And there was a guy standing outside with no shoes, bare feet, cold, cold day. And he's there, and someone left him there. His dad lived in way up by Chicago, and he had a call him to come get him. So you know what he did? He helped us set up. <laughs> he helped us set up until it was time. We said, come on in. You can have some coffee and, and warm up. But, you know, we'd have to set all this up. And, and this one lady came to the church this one time, and she's like, you know, I'd love to come help you. I'd love to start being part of your church. And I said, that's great. You should definitely do that. So she came early one morning, and she was there, and she's going to set up, and she says, Aren't you impressed? I'm here. I told you I would be. And I said, yeah, that's awesome. But I didn't say it, but I thought it. But I was like, but I'll really be impressed if you're here in three weeks. And she wasn't. <laughs> Consistency is key. You know, you have to put in the work. To be consistent, you have to put in the work. Uh, we have to do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slaves, so that I, when I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He says, we beat our bodies into submission, another scripture reference says. The idea that we would actually make ourselves obedient to God. That we would actually go out of our way to, to, to follow after him and not just do what we want to do. You have to put in the work. It's doing what sometimes we don't feel like doing. And that's what we have a problem in our society. If we don't feel like doing something, we just don't do it. You're never going to be successful in life if you do that. I mean, you know how many people would be sitting home and not working and, and not making money if they didn't feel like, you know, going to work? You have to go to work, people. You have to go to work. That's how you're going to be successful. So it's also prioritizing Jesus above your things. The things that are you hold dear. Your time is one of them. Your time is very valuable. But when you don't focus on any of it on Jesus, it's just a vapor. It's gone. It's getting up every day, not just one day a week, if you even put in that. And it's staying on mission. It's taking those minutes out of your day to pray, to read the Bible, to focus in on Jesus, and, and not waste it. Have you ever had those days where you literally look back and you think, wow, I wasted that day? I'd have. <laughs> I have. I think, and I actually look for those days sometimes. Not that I want to waste it, but I do want a pajama day that I don't have to get out. I do want those days every now and then. I haven't had a pajama day in a long time, and I really want one. Um, I will read my Bible, and I'll pray, but I'm staying in pajamas all day. <laughs> you know, it's simply doing what Jesus said to do in Luke 9, 23. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. And follow me. If you follow somebody and you're on this meandering trail, if you let them get too far ahead, you get lost. You don't know which direction they went. You don't know if they're too far ahead or if they just kind of went around the bend. You don't know where they are. So after a while, you're like, I'm lost. I'm lost. And you can get lost. You can get lost in your faith. 
What happens when people get lost? They have to send a search party out for them, right? They have to send somebody out there to go try to find these people that are lost. These kids that get lost in the woods, they send a search party out. Sadly, if they don't find somebody after a time, what happens though? The search party gets called off. It's called off. They're not looking anymore. I think the problem is with Christ is it's not static at all. It's always changing, always moving, always growing. And if you've ever slowed down and you've stopped, I'm sure you're lost. And you're going to lose the race. You're not going to win it. You know, when he says to, to be his followers, we have to give up our own ways. It means that we can't constantly keep going in these different directions than he's going. We can't keep living a life of sin. Now, this is where a lot of people really, uh, this is what really burns me. I will tell you. This is just what the biggest, the hardest part about being a pastor is this. To understand that people keep thinking that you can follow Christ and still live the life of a devil. And it doesn't work that way. You have to clean up your life. And people are like, no, Jesus loves me. And it's like, he does. He absolutely does love you. He adores you. And when you go by these churches that actually have these, these words on it that says, Jesus never rejected anybody, it's like 100% true, true. He does never reject anybody. But they left off, or they kind of only gave you part of the story. Because Jesus always said, go and sin no more after he helps somebody. After he heals somebody, after he changes somebody, he says, go and sin no more. Light has no part with darkness. We can't fool ourselves in thinking that we can keep living the life of devil and then still think that God's right by our side helping us. It doesn't work that way. If you think it is, you're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Just want you to know that. You're wrong, okay? Light has no part with darkness. And it's not going to be easy, guys. It's not going to be easy. It is not easy. I followed after God for about 26 years so far. And it is a struggle all the time. It's a struggle not to want to go the way of the world. It's a struggle not to get, want more things. To not take my own time and let it be my time. To not prioritize Jesus. It's all a struggle. Giving up our own ways are difficult. Putting aside our own desires, our wants, and our comforts, it's not for the faint of heart. That's why it's so important for you to read the Bible because if you read the Bible, you see the the example that are there for us. It's people who gave up everything. You have to decide if you're really going to give up things for them or you're not. You can't keep playing church. It doesn't work that way. It's denying ourselves over and over again every day, even in small ways that slow and steady way that's going to lead us into consistent faith. I think it's pretty sad, really. It's a pretty sad statement to think that we're actually more loyal to McDonald's to get a cheeseburger than we are to the God who's the most consistent and loves us so much we're so inconsistent with him. We're so disloyal to him. You know, he offers us so much more. He offers us life of abundance, great health. He'll help you with things. He's going to help you and make your way straight, your path straight. And he's going to promise you a future of life and eternal life. And he gives us all this. And yet, we so quickly forget. So it comes to the point where, let me ask you, are you honestly consistent in your faith? Are you obediently following after God? 
Are you slow and steady in the race? Or have you fallen back? Have you fallen off? Did you take off too quickly? You went supernova, and now you're kind of out there and you don't know what to do? Kind of burned out? Maybe you dropped out completely. Maybe you're so lost that you are someplace in the woods, you don't know where you are, you're like, I don't know how to get back. And I do pray that this message is that searchlight. That searchlight that's pierced through the darkness, that finds you hunkered down, lost, afraid, alone, and you're just waiting for God to come get you. I pray that this is that message, that it touches you like that. You know, it's never too late. You can always come back. God is so good. He's so good. But you've got to understand something. You continually keep going the other way, different ways. God won't give up on you, but you'll give up on God. You won't come back to him the next time over and over again. You're not, well, there's going to be a time where he's going to harden your heart. And you're going to think, no, I can keep going back. I can keep living the life of a devil, and I can keep coming back, and he forgives me over and over again. There's going to be a time where he's going to harden your heart. The Bible makes this clear to us. It says it in his word that he will harden our heart. Where the point will come where we won't go back and we won't ask to be forgiven the next time. And he leaves us to ourselves. We're all at risk of doing that. That's why it's so important for you to be consistent in your faith and, and really start to grow. Do you understand how many people we could have in this service that could come and hear about Christ? if we would all be consistent in our faith and actually reach out to others. But see, the problem is no one's going to follow if you're lost yourself. Who wants to follow a lost person? You're going which way? Yeah, I'm not going to follow you. You're going the wrong way. You know, you can dust yourself off tonight. You can come back to him. Don't waste this time. If you feel something, do it. Because you don't know when you're going to lose that feeling. The point is you don't have to run fast, but you do have to put one foot in front of the other because it's slow and steady that wins the race. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You might have shared the message of Christ with somebody. But where are you? Maybe you believe it. Maybe you've told others about him. And you're like, this is the way to get back. You know, I, I, there's a long, long time ago I heard this story, and I thought this is so interesting. They said Elvis used to go up into the top of a church, and he would sit in the balcony, and he would just cry and cry. And he would tell everybody about how great Jesus was. But he never would come and really, like, follow after him himself. He would tell everybody how great he is, but he wouldn't do it himself. Now, I don't know where Elvis ended up. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. He could still be alive, right? They say that he is. Maybe if he still has another chance. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. It's a fight, guys. Finished the race. Kept the faith. Now, let me explain to you. I'm sure some of you out there are thinking, I have deja vu. She spoke this message already consistent message it's a consistent message 
the message of Christ is consistent, this message is consistent. That's the reason why I spoke it two weeks in a row. It's a consistent message. It's one you probably didn't hear. If you weren't here last week, it's all new to you. <laughs> right? For those that have you heard it twice, hopefully it's stuck this time. I didn't lose my mind. I'm not senile yet. Yet. I'm not there. So let me pray for you. Lord, I do pray that you would touch these people that are here. Lord, those that are listening, maybe on Facebook, or those who are going to hear this message when it's on our, our website, I just pray that at this time, whatever time it is in their life, Lord God, that they would really just reach out for you, that they would come close, that they would ask you to forgive them. And if they need a new start, that they would just ask for it. We know that your word says all we have to do is call out your name, that we just have to ask for forgiveness and that we have to ask you to come into our heart and forgive us. I just pray that if there's somebody out there today and either in this message in this room or wherever they're watching this or hearing this, I pray that this would be the time. We just thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you love us even though we're so flawed and so failed and you love us still. We thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.